Hi everybody, it's Bob Tulio. Welcome to Automatic Merchandiser Spending in OCS Nation, the podcast for the convenience services industry. Our last podcast, Jennifer Fox's courageous approach to navigating the changing Chicago business climate was released on January 23rd. I love the email I received from Oren Hebner, industry consultant, who wrote, I just kept saying yes to the point she was making. I loved it. You weren't alone, Oren. That electric interview with Jennifer resulted in plenty of positive feedback. And as you know, I welcome feedback of all kinds. This is part two of Jennifer Fox's story, and I am very confident you will not be disappointed. In this episode, you will hear the dramatic story of Dragonolia and Heron Project, all driven by the loss of her brother and some personal struggles that Jennifer has had to overcome, plus more insights on what makes her company successful and her belief that this is a special time in our industry, a time where operators can rewrite the script for convenience services. Let's get right to it. Tell me about Dragonoli and the Heron Project. In 2018, my youngest brother, Justin, died of a heroin overdose in uh, December of 2018. So needless to say, in 2019, I threw quite an epic pity party for myself. Um, And so at the end of the year, I realized, you know, I was drinking really heavily and just in a pretty dark state of depression. And so I decided, and I do every year I was, had been doing dry January. So I decided that I was going to quit drinking for all of 2020 and start running. Like I just, I knew I needed to do something to make a drastic change because the way I was living wasn't sustainable and that wouldn't be what my brother wanted, you know? And so that's what I did. I quit drinking in 2020 and I started running and obviously then COVID hit in March. But I mean, I was already firmly like planted in my decision to do that. So I kept doing that. I was running a race every month. Somewhere early in that year, I read somebody's post in a group on Facebook that I follow called Running Motivation Group. And it was a guy named Glenn Harrington. And he was a recovering heroin addict. And he had a wife and kids. And the story that he wrote in this group was beautiful. And it prompted me to message him because... I had started a private Facebook group for this 2020 dry challenge. And there were like 300 people in there that like gave up alcohol with me for the year. And so I wanted to share his story in that group. And so I private messaged him and asked him and he said, yes, I could share the story. But then he also said, hey, you know, I run for this substance use disorder organization called Heron Project. You should check them out. I think they'd be a really good fit for you. So he connected me with the director and we got to chatting. And so then I could start fundraising like in all these races I was running. And they're 5K. I mean, it was no big deal. I couldn't run a mile without stopping to walk. Running made me feel like I would die. So like I was just running 5K. It's not like marathons or anything. And But I could fundraise in Justin's name. And so that it really helped me get to a better place by giving back to the community that was related to Justin and his struggles. And so that's how I found Heron Project. That was 2020. I needed to continue to do something in his honor, and I couldn't keep hitting people up for money to donate if I'm running races, right? So it was like, what will honor him in an ongoing way for the rest of my life? And 
I created this online community called Dragonolia and was just a storytelling community for people in recovery. Watched how much shame it caused my brother and my mom. My mom was an alcoholic as well. I mean, it, that's not how she died, but I just watched how much shame keeps people in the cycle of addiction. And Heron Project represents so many people in recovery that are recovering out loud. And it was it's beautiful to watch people talk about it in a way that's not shameful. And I wanted to, like I said, figure out a way that I could raise money on an ongoing basis without pestering people to sponsor me for races. And so selling coffee for a living, it just was a natural fit that I would create this private label coffee. So a dollar from every bag goes back to Heron Project in a scholarship in Justin's name so that people like him can get help because getting good quality help in the substance use disorder community is really expensive and a lot of people can't afford it and they end up relapsing and they end up never getting better. So I'm super proud of it. Actually, it's my passion project and something that you know I plan to continue for as long as I'm around. That's great. And you're doing well in terms of your own recovery and dealing with the whole thing yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, I'm, I'm a big proponent of therapy, Bob. So definitely, you know, my therapist is, has been wonderful. And I was trying to explain this to somebody. If you've never experienced this kind of loss, like I would never want to go back to where I was after he died. It was an incredibly painful time. And remember, you know, I'm running a company still too. So it's like having to put on a happy face when you don't feel happy at all. Sure. Dragonolia helps me feel close to him in a way that's not going back to that dark place because I'm helping other people. So it's, it's been really rewarding. Big enough to serve you, small enough to know you. What does that mean to you? Jim Carbone shared that with me 23 years ago. I forget where he had heard it, but I remember him saying it and me thinking that is such a short and simple mission statement for our company because we are big enough and we have the resources to be able to take care of any size account, yet we're a small family-owned business that's going to still have the resources to give you that hands-on feeling that your needs are going to be taken care of. So like one of my favorite go-to lines in the sales call is, if you were happy with your service, I wouldn't be here. So tell me what's going on, right? Because mm -hmm. nobody's going to waste their time talking about their vending machines or their coffee service unless there's a problem. It is the last thing on people's priority list because they're running whatever business they have to run, right? So their vending machines are like out of sight, out of mind. We just want them to work so people don't complain. And so when I compare like to a canteen, for instance, no disrespect to canteen, but they just can't provide the service we provide because they're so big. So there are protocols they have to follow and there are tiers that of people who get involved and no one's going to have the owner of canteen cell phone number. Right. My customers can text me or call me or shoot me an email and know that they won't have to think about the problem again because it's going to be resolved. So all the consolidation that's gone on and it's not going to let up. No. It's been a good thing for you overall, hasn't it? It's given you a competitive advantage. A hundred percent. Absolutely. It, I've said multiple times, now is a really good time to be a vending company in Chicago because people don't have a lot of options anymore. And like I'm working on one account right now and it's through a, like a facilities management company. And I worked with this guy at a law firm before 
and he's, you know, he's moved on to new business. So he has an account in Sears Tower that he wants to get. And he reached out to me because I'm the only person he can call because this company has had Aramark and they've had Canteen over the last 20 years. So it's like they they don't want to go back to any of those companies. So it really is a good time to be an operator here. Don't know that it's a good time to be a new vending operator. I don't know if the industry is sustainable for somebody small starting out. The overhead costs are crazy. It's a great time for legacy owners, for sure. Uh, I'm assuming that Mark Stein would probably say the same thing. And it, it's an opportunity. More importantly, it's an opportunity for us to rewrite the script in Chicago. I won't name names, but I was in a meeting at a trade show, and it was through Venmax, our you know software company. And a competing operator, no longer they've sold now, but at the time we were talking about markets and this person asked a question and it was about paying commission on markets. And I just looked across this circle at Mark Stein because we were sitting across from each other and we both were like, markets were new. Markets were new. We had an opportunity to write the book. No customer would have expected to make commission on a market if you didn't offer it. You could have said no. No, we don't pay commission on markets. It's all new equipment that I don't have sitting in my warehouse that I can just move into your space because it's a new concept. Security cameras, managing the theft. Anybody who says theft isn't a problem in markets is lying. And if you don't know you have a theft problem, you're not paying attention. It, it is a problem. Markets are great, but the theft is ridiculous. So it's a whole different animal than vending machines. And then you're going to pay a percentage of the sales and you don't even know how much percentage you have in theft. That's asinine. And yet here we are. Now, I don't pay commission on markets. I don't have one single market that we pay commission on, nor would I. Again, I say no. Have we lost a couple of markets because of that? Sure. I'm fine with that. It's not the business I want. And so I do think like we have an opportunity in Chicago to rewrite the script because customers no longer have a lot of options. And they need to understand how labor intensive and hard it is to do what we do and do it well. It is a hard industry to be successful in. It really is. So tell, tell me about some of your technology partners. Who are your technology partners that have really worked for you? We've had Venmax for a long time. We were a MEI customer way back in the day. And then when they were bought out, we were given an opportunity to migrate over to Venmax at, you know, at no charge, which was just a no-brainer. People-wise, I feel like they've taken good care of us. And then we are a new 365 market customer. So we're not even finished transitioning our markets over to their platform yet, but hoping for a good partnership there as well. We're, we were definitely late to the game, going back to talking about the struggles that my dad and I had early on. Old, the old school guys had a hard time understanding how investing money in all of this technology made any sense. So it took some time to get it done. But now dynamic scheduling is the next step. That's such a huge undertaking. But ideally, that's where we're going. Sounds good. What about equipment-wise out there? What what are your go-to pieces of equipment, for example, on the OCS side? What What's working for you right now? We have been a long-time Bloomfield customer. So primarily in terms of, you know, traditional drip brewers, Bloomfield, some Curtis, some Bun. And then Bean to Cup, obviously, is the newest trend. And we really are partnered with Confection. We have some Wittenbergs out there, but Kevin Moore, is our, my, he's one of the best partners we've had in the industry in terms of 
manufacturer support, customer service. I mean, he knocks it out of the park. So working with him has been incredible. I am a big believer of being very honest with customers right from the get-go in the sales call. So they have no unrealistic expectations of us and what the relationship is going to look like moving forward. So, you know, you want to partner with manufacturers that are going to support you when things go wrong. It's crucial for this industry to thrive. Otherwise, there will be no independence. Eventually, we will not be able to afford to do the job and it will be all Canteen, Sodexo, Aramark. It'll be all those big players, which they're a different animal. Like I can't compete against Aramark. I'm working on this account with a guy that is in a hospitality group. So it's his account. He wants to bring me in as the vendor. He said, the business is yours. All you need to do is sharpen your pencil a little bit. And I said, well, if they have Aramark, I can almost guarantee you that there will be no pencil sharpening. But okay, just get me their price list and I'll tell you honestly. So later that afternoon, I'm back in my office. He had emailed me their price list. They are selling case soda to this consulting firm for nine cents over my cost. Nine cents. And when I sat down with these two women and asked, what aren't you happy about with Aramark? Why are you wanting to switch? Their number one reason for wanting to switch was cutting costs. Wow. I hear that all the time. But they <laughs> see, here's the thing. These women don't know any better because no one has told them. No one has had the courage to educate them on what is realistic. So, I mean, if I were in their shoes, I would say the same thing. I'd be happy as a clam with my pricing and say, I want to cut costs. I don't know any better. Maybe they go to Costco and Sam's and they see what it costs there. And so they, they don't understand the business. It's our job to teach people what a reasonable expectation is. So I said, I went back to Adam and I said, I can't, I don't know what to tell you. I, their pricing is close to my cost. I'm not, not interested. And he's actually come back now and said, I talked to the client and they understand they want to see your proposal anyway, because what they're really unhappy about is the service they're getting. Bingo. So it's like if more people would have the courage to just have the conversation and be honest, you cannot sell case soda for nine cents more than cost and make money. That should not be a newsflash, but people are doing it. I have seen not just Aramark, I've seen other competitors priceless. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I still am out there seeing $1.50, $1.75 soda. That is asinine. When in Chicago, it's $2.79 plus tax anywhere you go. What's the secret sauce at your company? What makes Fox so successful? This is something I say in sales calls, and I always preface it by saying, I don't mean to sound arrogant, but it's me. If you go with Aramark or Canteen or Sodexo, which are the three big competitors, they don't have a Jennifer Fox. And so no one is going to care more than me because it is personal to me. My name is on the side of every truck that leaves our building. And so we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I do think we're one of the best vending companies. And I think it's because of that. There's a personal touch to what we do. And we don't ever strive to be perfect. It's progress, not perfection. But we really do pride ourselves on the way that we respond when there are issues and, and needs from our customers that need to be met. I am the central person there making sure, overseeing that everyone's doing what needs to be done so the wheel turns. And so I do think that me coming into the business with a very different approach than my dad, thinking outside of the box, having the courage to run a business in a responsible way that doesn't always win the customer, like those are the things that have helped us succeed and and. 61 years in business is something to be really proud of. And that didn't just happen by accident. That's it for now. 
On the next episode of Automatic Merchandisers Vending in OCS Nation, we will talk to a paper industry disruptor, Jonathan Norrie of Royalty Distribution. He believes that operators are paying too much for their paper supplies and can cash in from dropping prices. It's a case of deflation, something we don't hear about too often, something that's worth paying attention to. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Bob Tulio.